You are listening to Neurosalience, the OHBM podcast. Welcome to the OHBM Neurosalience podcast. I'm your host, Peter Banatini. Uh, here we chat about uh, uh, topics and issues related to brain mapping and neuroscience uh, with, with guests from the field. Uh, on this episode, we have Dr. Ina Puse and Dr. Daniel Margulies, uh, and we'll be discussing all things related to the Organization for Human Brain Mapping, uh, its past, some of its history, some of its interesting development, and, and its future. So just to introduce our two guests, uh, I've known Ina for about a quarter century, and, uh, and she's currently the chair of the OHBM Council, or otherwise known as the president of OHBM. And she's the director of uh, Indiana University Imaging Facility and the Eleanor, Co uh, Eleanor Cox Riggs Professor of Psychological and Brain Sciences. So she received her bachelor's in applied science from Swinburne University Institute in, uh, of Technology in 1981 in Melbourne. Uh, I, that sort of dates her. Sorry about that, Ina. Uh, <laughs> um, master's in physics at Swinburne and a PhD uh, in medicine at the University of Melbourne uh, at, in 1990. So she carried out her postdoc. I actually remember her working with uh, Shulman's, uh, uh, or actually McCarthy, Greg McCarthy at Yale University from 1993 to 94. And uh, uh, in 94, she became an associate uh, research scientist at Yale. In 98, she moved back to Swinburne briefly, and then in 2002, she came to West Virginia University uh, as a professor of radiology and director of neuroimaging. And finally, uh, she ended up in 2008, uh, where she is now at Indiana University. So she's been incredibly active at OHBM since the very early days and has been you know, continuously a passionate innovator with regard to, to many of the initiatives, uh, even including, uh, if we have time, we'll get to it, uh, last year's OHBM Twitter only meeting called OHBMX uh, that was very successful. So, so now for Daniel. Daniel, uh, Dr. Daniel Magulis uh, is the chair of the OHBM program committee. That's the person who oversees all the scientific content of the meeting. And uh, he's currently a tenured professor at the CNRS or the French National Center for Scientific Research in Paris. Uh, in 2005, uh, he received his bachelor's degree at New York University. 2008, uh, his master's from the uh, European Graduate School in, I probably will pronounce this wrong, Sassafé, Switzerland. In 2010, uh, he received his PhD from uh, Humboldt University in Berlin. And 2009 through 11, he was a postdoc in the Department of Neurology at the uh, Max Planck Institute uh, for Human Cognitive and Brain Sciences in Leipzig. And then in 2011 to 17, he was a junior group leader at the same Institute. Uh, I'm sorry, he, the same institute, but in the in the Max Planck Research Group in Neuroanatomy and Connectivity. So importantly, he's also the recipient of the uh, 2018 OHBM Young Investigator Award, uh, as well as, uh, and I just saw this as well, I, I know only one other person who has this award, uh, the prestigious Otto Hahn Award in 2010. So he's been a pioneer in, in fMRI connectivity methods throughout his career and has uh, recently produced uh, really novel and, and penetrating work uh, uncovering and studying the organizational gradient that spans between sensory motor and transmodal areas. Uh, this work hints at, at least to me, it hints at fundamental uh, organizing principles that sort of are re being revealed of the brain, at, at, at least at the spatial scale. And, uh, you know, all of this is definitely worth discussing more, but today our, well, our focus mostly is OHBM. So uh, with that, 
Uh, OHBM, you know, is a, in, uh, the Organization for Human Brain Mapping is, is incredibly thriving. The meeting's been going on uh, since 1995. Things are mostly going well. Of course, we're, there's challenges as, as they exist, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But so, Ina, you and I have been uh, in OHBM since the start. And uh, a few years ago, you wrote a blog post and you're working on papers talking about the history of OHBM. Why don't you uh, try to summarize a little bit the history um, uh, and maybe not all the history, and, and, uh, but just hitting the high points. That's uh, yeah, just, how it just all began. Very briefly. Yeah, very briefly. Thank you, Peter, for asking me to come on uh, the podcast today. And yes, you and I um, know each other for a long, long, long time, very right from the start. And um, this, the story of OHBM starts well before that first OHBM meeting. And that was uh, due to um, innovators and leaders in neuroimaging, such as Peter Fox, who organized a series of eight brain map workshops in San Antonio in the 90s, where he invited the leaders of the neuroimaging field at the time. And these included lots of uh, visionaries uh, from not only the US uh, in neuroimaging and neuroscience, including uh, Leslie Ungerleiter, who, of course, we lost uh, last year, um, but also people from Europe, innovative uh, neuroimaging uh, scientists from Europe as well. He had uh, NIH funding to hold these workshops, and these meetings were devoted to developing um, standards for a standardization of, of space, neuroimaging space for analysis and reporting. And, and they also had uh, discussions back way back then on about open access and, and neuroimaging archives. And, and that was kind of proto uh, open science, if you will. Uh, and and this, was, this was visionary stuff. Now they had a lot of challenges, the technology of the day, you know, didn't enable them to do that. But th there was that thinking there already at that time. And in fact, um, the council, OHBM council in, in 2001 wrote a, an opinion piece about data sharing. And that that was uh, article was led by uh, Jonathan Cohen, which of course you and I were on council at the time and we, we participated um, as younger members of the council, but the, the initiative was led by the older uh, senior scientists of the, of the um field. But um, that brain map meeting of Peter Fox's spawned the first OHBM meeting before OHBM existed. And Bernard Mazayer uh, volunteered at one of those uh, brain map meetings uh, to host the first human brain mapping meeting in Paris. And he did that with um, Pierre Rowland uh, as well and Rudiger Seitz from uh, Dusseldorf, but the meeting was hosted in Paris uh, at the Cité des Sciences et de l'Industrie uh, in the 19th arrondissement in northeast Paris. 820 people went to that, 404 abstracts, and the original plan was for a smaller number of attendees. So uh, all of the organisers were running uh, ragged uh, yeah. because the meeting was such an amazing success. I have to let you know that I, I regret very much. Um, I missed that meeting. I wasn't one of the attendees. Uh, I, I was doing my postdoc at, at uh, MGH, and they said, "Oh, we'll we'll send you the meeting." And I was like, "I'm too busy. I'm just I just got to get this stuff done." And it didn't even occur to me that this was like a historical first meeting. So I've been to yeah. 
the next one. Well, it was a historical meeting because that meeting was also a satellite meeting for the, um, it was Brain 95, which was um, the Society for Cerebral Blood Flow Metabolisms meeting, as well as it was a, a meeting around the European Society for Neuroradiology at the time. And, and I presented an abstract on um, both intracranial uh, neurophysiology and fMRI at the time. So that was, um, I remember making a poster for that first meeting. That yeah, and it's cool. funny how, um, you know, at the time that, I mean, that first meeting, you know, sort of, I mean, the OHBM kind of grew with fMRI. I mean, there were other techniques that were more common than fMRI at the time at the very beginning. I mean, like you were saying, EEG and PET and other other techniques, but um, fMRI sort of started just a few years beforehand. So there's tons of excitement. So Right. And that was, there was no real venue to present that work. And so that's that how that became, it became, OHBM became a venue. And then of course, the society, um, the organization, as it was known back then, started a few years later when David Van Essen uh, and then the council of the day drafted bylaws and and uh, then a series of um, meetings were born. And so that was that was an amazing time, very exciting time and a time of inclusivity because we were trying to include other disciplines, um, not just fMRI, but there was PET imaging, there was uh, EEG and MEG, and we were trying to break down at the time, the silos that existed between disciplines, there were these very small uh, disciplinary meetings and people didn't go outside their discipline. And so that was a bold move to try and, and make uh, this organisation, as it was known at the time, have a, a wide umbrella and, and be inclusive of multiple disciplines. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that feeling too, not only, uh, especially the inclusiveness. I mean, even though it was small, uh, you know, I think that there, there were a wide, still a, somewhat of a diversity of groups scattered around, but, and it always felt like everyone was kind of supporting uh, each other and kind of, you sort of felt in the early days, like, um, like kind of a tribe, you know, <laughs> sort of it like, okay, we're tribe. all, we're all yeah. part of this thing together and, and uh, you know, these brain mapping initiatives and and it's grown it's grown over the years uh and we can probably talk a lot about uh details of how it's grown but i do feel like uh it's 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 became well, certainly it's gotten larger uh but i can't even keep up with all the all the uh SIGs <laughs> and all the uh you yeah. know uh, uh various other organizations it's it's extremely now it and which actually makes it more welcoming for other people as well i mean you have these subgroups and yeah. and these various chapters um right yeah. well the things have changed in the sense that as you said peter it was very small in its day and we all knew each other so everybody knew each other and we were trying to be the diversity push at that time was as i said disciplinary we were trying to push that and um but we still had um uh, clinical sessions. That first meeting had clinical sessions. It had an educa a clinical session. It had an education se session. Twenty percent of the attendees were students. Uh, now, of course, it's we have much uh, higher um, uh, trainee uh, 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 attendance rate. It's it's more like 
50, 60%, depending on the meeting. So, and now we're trying to push diversity issues in, in terms of not so much discipline, because I think we've got those disciplines and we could do better than that, but we certainly are much wider with disciplines, but we're pushing diversity initiatives for geographical diversity, for gender and um, racial uh, um, uh, diversity as well. And that's a big, big push now. So that's something that's very different and and positive that uh, is happening. Yeah. So Daniel, um, before we get into the the current program, um, so what was your first OHBM? Uh, Just what was your impression? It was back in San Francisco. Uh, about 12, 13 years ago, I suppose. And I remember that feeling of, uh, you know, being very young in the field, not knowing a lot of folks, but just seeing what a, a kind of thrilling community spirit there was to the meeting, how exciting it was to interact with people, to meet new folks. Um, and I just, I remember back then thinking like, if we want to have the best and the brightest in this community, we got to, we got to keep this party spirit alive at the conference. And, and that really dovetails into uh, a lot of the thinking behind behind the planning of this year's yeah. meeting yeah. 12, 13 years later. Yeah, no, it, and so, right, I mean, you've been also part of uh, the various other organizations as well. I mean, it's sort of the, these sub-programs. Uh, I, I remember you, wait, so is it true? I mean, you were part of the, uh, you know, the yeah. brain art uh, SIG. We had this, this like neuro bureau entity. The neuro bureau, right. Yeah, it was sort of operating in the shadows and uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so just, uh, so, so, okay. All right. Um, yeah. I remember San Francisco as well. And, and, you know, it's funny because there's certain societies where you feel, or even certain fields uh, where you feel it's kind of, uh, you know, where the, where the olds kind of eat their young and they kind of, you know, it's very tough to get into and it's um, yeah. Whereas OHBM, uh, you know, not perfect, but, but it's always felt uh like I've never really felt like um, there were any barriers uh, to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people, you know, you present your poster, people talk to you and they give suggestions and that's it. And it's fun. And there's, you know, things set up in the meeting that are, that are sort of uh, positive and, and uh, uh, induce uh, more social activity and more collaborations and things like that. So, so why don't we actually just get into, I mean, we could always circle back um, of some of the more interesting history, which we could probably have a, a five-hour podcast on that, actually, to be honest. And <laughs> um, but but why don't we uh, why don't we just hit the highlights of um, of this meet? How about this? So why don't we hit the why don't we go right into this meeting, and then and then maybe trace back as to how things uh, um, adapted. To COVID, and then, and then maybe even before that, that you know, some of the advancements over the years, over the, the history, but starting in the present, um, right now, up front. So, uh, so yeah, so I've I've been part of the you know the, some of the planning, some of the council meetings because I'm on the scientific advisory board, but um, but I don't, I'm not familiar at all uh, with what's been planned for the and for the for the virtual meeting this year and. Uh, and I know that last year was super challenging uh, getting going, but so Daniel, why don't you uh, tell us what tell us what is in store? Well, uh, well we're, we're very excited. Uh, needless to say, we're very excited, and I think it's it's because we 
as everyone knows, we really had to rush to to pull together a virtual meeting without a lot of notice last year. And there were many challenges that were all very clear. Um, for this year's meeting, we knew from the get-go, this is going to be virtual. We have to deal with it and uh, try and find what are the advantages in that structure that yeah, otherwise is not really the ideal way that we'd like to meet together. Um, and uh, so I think the, the bottom line is that what we all agreed on initially is we, we need to maintain a focus on interaction. This is a conference is not just about sharing content nowadays. Um, there are plenty of ways for us to be able to share scientific content. Um, what a conference allows is an opportunity for spontaneous uh, direct interaction across entities for the kinds of um, opportunities that arise through chance meetings and discussions. Um, and to have that concentrated moment in the year when you can come together and, and really chat with people and take the time to see what they're up to and discuss um, current interests and, and future directions, right? So, so the first challenge was then if we want interaction to be at the center of the meeting, um, how are we going to create that? And we can probably get into this uh, whenever you like, but um, we, we've got a new platform that we're in the process of putting together. And what makes it innovative and exciting for this meeting is that um, unlike a lot of the conference online conference structures that start from the position of how do we deliver the content, uh, we found a company that designs platforms for uh, custom-made online virtual parties. Oh, wow. And that, that's the, exactly. And that's the starting point. It, Which it's it kind space. of is. <laughs> that's how I've always felt about it. Right. Uh, but, and, and then of course the challenge for them becomes how do we build in all of the key content aspects that we need, but, um, but that's available. Those features will come in, but it's much more challenging to find how do you create a space in which folks can interact in a somewhat spontaneous way and move around and run into people that they, uh, maybe don't know, uh, be able to be surprised by posters as they're moving through uh, a poster hall, for instance, in a way that's uh, user-friendly, intuitive, and accommodating to the challenges of everyone having to take time out uh, for this one week a year. And in this particular case, sit in front of a computer and, and uh, interact. So, so that's been, uh, there are all sorts of fun challenges that turns out when you get into the details, but uh, that's the gist of, of what's going to be happening this year. Well, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. I think a lot of people, so um, like last year they had, uh, you know, the, you know, it's really, it's, it's hard to like, I, I know, um, oh, what was it called? I mean, where you, you had a little avatar and you would walk around a little bit and at the, the social gather town. Gather town. Gather town. Gather town. Yeah. Exactly. And I thought, well, maybe that would be interesting to actually have a poster session like at Gather Town or something like mm -hmm. that. Um, it's a, it was a little clunky at the time. I'm sure it's much better now. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, I, uh, if it will be something like that entirely, or um, or, or will it? It's a, it's a let's say it's a it captures some of the features of Gather Town in that um, there is a sense of space. Uh, you're moving through different rooms, um, but there are less of, let's say, the the, the clunky um, interactive components that are are fun initially, and then can become a bit frustrating in terms of the constraints. So you can still search for a poster and go into a poster room where there'll be a video chat going with the content and the discussion board. Cool. Um, Aspects like that. Same with with uh, all of the features of the the meeting. Um, so it, but it essentially. You got it. It's trying to capture the the kind of uh, 
the good side of what Gather Town offers, which is a sense of folks being in a shared space together. Um, it's not us all passively watching videos behind the screen and occasionally chatting. Uh, it'll be a lot of video chat components and um, almost entirely live interaction. Okay, okay. So then like the big challenges that come up. Oh, go ahead, Anna, please. I was just gonna say that as Daniel's saying, there are a lot of challenges and we've, we've got a technology task force that we put together and that's mm -hmm. very capably headed by Alex Fornido. But, and, and, and we've got many, many um, different types of expertise on that. Lots of people putting their heads together thinking about all of the challenges that we will incur across time zones, you know, across technologies, geographical uh, zones and things like that. It's not simple to do, right? So how do you solve the, how are you solving the time zone issue uh, this year? Um, I mean, there's no perfect solution, but. Uh... That, was, that, was, that was what the, I was watching. There's a, a wonderful like mini documentary about the challenge of scheduling baseball. It turns out there's this couple that, they're great at it. And one of the key points they bring up is that um, based on the rules and the structure that you have in front of you, you can only get so far. The, the trick to doing this with expertise is knowing where to break the rules. And so that was part of the challenge here for, for HBM is there, unfortunately, we, we looked at it. There is no time zone where everyone overlaps. You can find maybe there, there it just doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's... And so the trick becomes, where do you start to bend it? And what's the best way to get the most people, uh, but also accommodate the fact that we are trying to improve the diversity and that includes geographic diversity. Um, how do you facilitate interaction across all different parts of the world um, with all of the, you know, the time constraints? So what we decided on is um, it essentially it's gonna be two blocks per day that are spaced out by eight hours. And each of those are four hour blocks and they allow for overlap across different time zone sets. So, uh, so that's the basic schedule. There'll be these four hours that happen twice and hopefully this will provide sufficient opportunity for everyone to be able to directly interact. We've got a few other features in there. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the, that's, kind of the, that's the core of the meeting. Okay. There's okay. been so much discussion. You know, the program committee, we've had a lot of meetings and, and you know, Daniel has had, um, you know, brainstorming sessions with everybody, how to better, better do things. And last year we had three time zones. That was very challenging for everybody. And the content was, was really crammed. And so Daniel's idea right from the start was always to have uh, things less crammed and allow for potential um uh, time slots so that spontaneous things can develop and so that there can be um, interactions in the way that when we have a face-to-face -face meeting be like. And, of course, that's what we could, didn't do last year and people missed. So we've been trying to think about that and Daniel has been, been really uh, working hard to try and implement that. Yeah, I, I, that's really cool. I mean, last year I think that you know you had some software, but then you then you just got some local you know the the OHBM community people and who just sort of chipped in and created some really cool things like ways of yeah. putting all the posters in one massive document that you just sort of scroll through and and uh, which is kind of like a poster hall, but not quite. Um, uh, but yeah, it's still it's still tricky. Uh, 
you know, it's like one thing I found a little bit creepy about Gathertown is, uh, and the whole thing is still, is, I mean, for all of us, I've been sure 20 years it won't be creepy, but it's still kind of, <laughs> um, uh, is that you could just put in a person's name and you could just go to them like wherever they are, you can just find them. It's like, you know, usually the normal social interaction is where you're, you know, you're standing there and then you're like, you're kind of looking for someone and you kind of see them and you walk towards them and you meet, might meet someone else. And obviously here it's like, you can just, you can just hone in on them and which is good for certain people, but um, you know, it's funny. It's, it's something, it will start at its own etiquette, I guess, in, in some sense. Neuro stalking perhaps. <laughs> But it's cool. I, uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to OHBM, and and uh, and I think we're all over the year have become much com- more comfortable with with Zoom, um, with kind of interacting uh, virtually, and so it will feel more natural no matter what. But then it, it's the software, the planning, the the thoughtfulness of this is is getting better. Well, there are a couple of other things too. Um, the software is open source, and so the idea is to be able to use this in subsequent years and modify it as well. Mm-hmm. And so this is not just a one-time thing. So we've thought of, you know, carefully about that and the technology task force has thought very carefully about that. So there's that aspect. As you said, Peter, people are now much, much more um, comfortable with being online and people know how to use the chat windows. And so there's an online culture now that's developed and, and, and so the interactions can be more vibrant and so we we can capitalize on that and we can see how those those meetings have grown so i think it'll be a lot better and then if and when we do go to um face-to-face meetings again it we may consider having a hybrid format where people who can't um um make it to the meeting yeah. and people who um, are in, in other countries where it's, you know, travel is difficult can then access uh, parts of the meeting. But I have to uh, quote Lucina Uden because she said the first time that we get together for a face-to-face meeting, given what Daniel said about the party uh, aspect of it, that meeting is going to be epic. Yeah, it's going to be funny. It's going to be like the <laughs> Roaring Twenties after the... <laughs> Spanish all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm looking for, yeah, that will be fun. That'll be fun. But, but we may never go completely back. Right. I mean, you might have a, a, some sort mm-hmm. of, it seems like a good thing, you know, to be, have more access yeah. to the content in, in some way. Yeah. We're making, we have to make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. And, and that's what we're do, trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so just to before we start circling back or whatever, um, uh, uh, so just to, is there anything interesting in the in the actual scientific content? Um, I know that you know you don't have to go through the whole thing, but um, you know there you know we always try to cover you know if various areas. Are there certain ones where you know some are clinical, some are basic neuroscience, some are mapping? Uh, is there anything that um, not to reveal any names yet as far as who's giving the keynotes or things like that, but I don't know if we know yet, but uh, I don't know if I know. <laughs> that information might be out there somewhere already. But okay. I think one of, one of the key, um, I was looking through the, the content again, sort of refreshing myself with what are the, let's say, what are the focuses that might've emerged this year, uh, both through the symposium as well as the keynotes that we have. And one of the interesting um, topics that I didn't expect is that there seems to be a big focus on the mesoscale and incorporating that 
into um, our various approaches that, that we use. Um, so the mapping, mapping the mesoscale, thinking about the mesoscale in terms of looking at uh, either cognitive function pathways or uh, integrating it into our understanding of, um, of anatomy. Yeah, I'm sorry, just to clarify for, uh, you know, not OHBM audience, potentially mesoscale yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, is specifically what scale would you would you define that to be? I and this is what I'm going to be interested to hear. Uh, I'm really looking at the titles uh, at the moment, and what I imagine this is going to be doing is thinking about the um, the cortical column level, um, thinking about the level between the individual cell and the whole brain scale that we're used to to talking about more with MRI. Um, and how can we take advantage of all of the knowledge that's been gained through, uh, through various mapping techniques that are able to address that, that microscopic scale and incorporate that then into the wider picture of a brain function. So I think there's going to be a lot of exciting work coming out on, on how we can work across these databases that have emerged, different imaging techniques, and begin to combine. That's, that's mm -hmm. cool. That's cool. Mm -hmm. the, the, the other thing that I might um, foreshadow and mention too is because we're doing an online meeting, we can do things in a way that we can't do with a face-to-face -face meeting. So at the program committee level, uh, and, uh, and the, we have had discussions about maybe having an additional um, submission of abstracts for people. Um, we've talked about that because people, you know, are always – frantically trying to do things for OHBM, they miss out. There's no reason why we can't have another submission. Yeah. We're doing this online. If we were doing it face-to-face, -face, that's really, really hard to do. But yeah. let's, let's make, um, make the most of this. Yeah, you can imagine. Yeah. I, th I think we can announce that officially. I think that that is going to yeah. happen I mean, in that's some form we, or another. Yeah. yeah, that's what we talked about at the, and people approved at the mm -hmm. at the program committee. So, it's not something that we we have announced officially yet, but we're considering how that would work. It, mm -hmm. it hasn't been planned completely, but I just wanted to foreshadow that because then that would involve people who um, may um, have be thinking, well, I've missed the boat, um, and I can't submit uh, something for OHBM, but there'll be another chance for them to do that. That's, I think you would catch a lot. I think that there are a lot of people who, um, right towards the deadline, you know, I, I think that there's people are stressed out and, and just, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing with COVID. Everybody has taken so much longer to do everything and yeah. we are recognizing that. And so that's why we thought that would be a really good thing for people to do. Yeah. That's, that's great. It'll be interesting to see what comes. I mean, ISMRM uh, uh, used to have that. Uh, they used to have like, you know, abstracts and then uh, some sort of late abstracts that were just sort of submitted at the last minute that, that were actually all, you know, they were all uh, a little bit less finished, but, uh, but a lot of interesting content. And uh, so, so yeah, no, I, I think um, uh, that's a great idea. And, you know, there's so many things with also with the virtual meeting that I, that I really like. I mean, I like just to, I, I, you know, I don't like the fact that it's still sort of, you know, being on the computer, it's so easy to multitask and you, it's different from being sitting and just watching where you're forced to pay attention. Um, however, it's nice to say, to be able to have access to the online content immediately and uh, go back and, and say, oh, what did that person say that I wasn't quite sure? You could just go right back and, and listen to it again. So that's, that's mm -hmm. nice. 
Um, I think the online thing that it's really nice that something that doesn't happen uh, at a face-to-face meeting is what happens in the chat. And so co-authors are chatting. If, if there is a live talk, co-authors will of that author who's presenting are chatting with people in, in the audience, swapping, you know, uh, references, you know, giving people um, uh, preprints and, 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 and um, reference um, information. And that sharing, um, you know, the background behind the work. And, and, and that's what I found incredibly stimulating last year at OHBM yeah. uh, in that it was what was happening in the chat window while the presenter was, uh, presenting live. That was yeah, that's cool. Priceless. That's cool. And then everyone can see it. It's like you're whispering, but really loudly. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're not really being distracting. So it's both whispering loud, sharing with everyone, but not being distracting yeah. at the same time. <laughs> so that's that's kind of fun, right? That'd be that's neat. Um, yeah. So, so, but yeah, it's interesting also, like you, you, you mentioned the, the, the mesoscale. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, it's where some of the research of, you know, uh, you know, we're doing, you know, layer of Mirai stuff, but, but mm-hmm. it is interesting how the brain, so this is in, in kind of an important point that, you know, uh, with OHBM, the whole thing started with, you know, you know, we're trying to sort of, we, we start with like EEG and PET, which is sort of, uh, you know, two extremes. One's, fast and, and low resolution ones, a little bit higher resolution, but very, very slow and invasive. But then we're slowly kind of honing in, filling in the gaps of all the spatial scales and, and finding like meaning uh, and relevance across each scale. Uh, and then trying yeah. to you know, understand the brain, we have to sort of connect all these, these scales. Uh, mm-hmm. And just the challenges of multimodal data. And, and new techniques, MEG at room temperature. I saw a, a, a paper on a 400, 400, over 400 channel system of, of optically pumped magnetometers the other day. That's where, you know, things are going. That's incredibly exciting. Yeah. Uh, and then just also the other thing that, that the, that's happening in the field is just putting the brain back in the body. People are measuring other bodily signals. Yeah. And, you know, the poor old brain has had a hard time. It's just like that, you know, in, in, in young Frankenstein, that brain sitting in a, in a jar, Abbey normal on it. Right. Um, it's been lonely all this time. And, and now we can, you know, try and connect um, some of those other bodily signals and, and, and those other organ systems that interact with it. And I think that's a really big um, thing that's happening in the field as well today. And I'm really excited about that. And we're starting to see stuff like that at this meeting too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see how far it can go. I mean, you you, know, you have entire social networks that you're connected to in some sense. And it could, you know, that's determines a lot of aspects of brain function. And yeah, so so great. All right, so, um, so uh, uh, just to... Uh, uh, back up a little bit um, uh, uh, to some of the challenges. So obviously COVID was a big challenge uh, uh, with, with OHBM, but it was sort of, you know, I remember, I mean, we had Rome in 2019, but problem was in Singapore and Vancouver were, were both changed at the last minute. Um, if you wanted 
talk about that a little bit. That's, I mean, yeah. in, the, in the impact it had on, on OHBM, I don't, I don't know if Daniel, you were part of that. You, you may have been part of some aspect, but still, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know if you were on council, but still it was- I it, was it, on program committee. I wasn't on council, but I was on program committee. And so we were reeling with the same kinds of changes because, you know, of sponsors and, and you know, the local organizing committee has, has you know, they, they have a, a problem as well. And it it's just really makes things difficult. And one of the um, things that we have, which sometimes is a blessing and a curse, is um, the way we manage our affairs. Uh, we have bylaws that also have set financial constraints on us that we have to have a uh, a certain reserve, a financial reserve, and this has been something that you know we've come um, a little bit of uh, we've come uh, had some heat uh, over that because people are saying, well, you know, you've got um, you've got resources and you know you're sitting on them. Well, yes and no because you have to have enough resources to have upfront be able to mount a meeting because the the finances come from registrations and that come in later now so that's one aspect the second aspect is when you are holding a meeting you have to have a very hefty deposit uh, to a convention center if you have to change your um, meeting venue sometimes you uh, lose that deposit and because of those uh, challenges that we had with the Zika virus, um, because we didn't go to Puerto Rico, we went to Vancouver. We changed then it we, like with uh, how, how, like it was like four months before the meeting or something like right, that, right? Right. And, and so, so that deposit was lost. And so that um, there were financial um, implications of making decisions like that. They pale yeah. into insignificance because what's the main consideration is the safety and well-being of the members of our society. So that is the number one consideration. Yeah. But that said, it also puts a constraint on our finances. And so that's what happened over the um, you know three three uh, meetings in a row, which. If you were yeah. playing the lottery, <laughs> you'd never predict Pretty something unlucky. like that. Yeah. And that's what's happened to us. And, and, and the folks in Seoul, too, they were so excited about, um, you know, to trying to have their meeting, too. And fortunately, we've been able to reschedule um, with, with them. The folks um, at the Conf convention centre in Montreal this year were very good. They're looking forward to us coming back there when um, I think it's, what is it, 2023? I think we said we were popping back there. So they're happy. We're happy. So we were able to resolve those things, but that was very difficult. Yeah. The previous that was a, council. Yeah. I always felt that the, the whole Zika virus scare was a little bit easier to make a decision about, but in Korea, it was sort of it was really a strange thing. I mean, you had the tensions with North Korea and you didn't know what the heck, and all the, all the people right. in Korea were like, oh, it's not, nothing's gonna happen. Don't worry about right. it. And, and uh, you know, no, just don't know. So. Well, my understanding was, and I wasn't on council at the time, but my understanding was that um, sponsors had expressed concern about the venue and also some of the membership. And uh, based on those concerns, um, council did, um, consider changing the venue now that said there was an irony there because as we all laughed we were all in Singapore and then that political um saber rattling that yeah. was uh, happened in Seoul 
actually ended up in Singapore. I know. That's the irony. <laughs> That's so, right. <laughs> there you have it. But we've been at, but in, back back to meeting changes. We started uh, a dialogue with our Korean uh, colleagues right from the outset after the, uh, the our first um, virtual uh, meeting. So when mm-hmm. at the end of last summer, and not even actually during last summer, we were already. Um, in dialogue with our uh, Korean colleagues and the local organising committee. And we let them, uh, as council, make the decision on what they would like to do because they are the ones who are going to be, you know, bearing the brunt of it. And they elected to, to, um, to wait and to go virtual. And, we, and, and council were, were totally good with that. And uh, I think we, they made the right decision uh, and so that gave us time to plan. And so uh, council then immediately launched a technology task force and we've been working and planning right from the outset um, there. So yeah, it's been yeah. good. Yeah, that's that's great. That's great. And, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And so, um, uh, uh, you know, other challenges before that. So, uh, I mean, I, I know that's... Um, what were some of the challenges? I just, I, you know, I tried to just to, you know, in our last, uh, our, our last 15 minutes or, or so, or 10 minutes or so, uh, you know, or some of the big accomplishments. I mean, like for instance, Florence was kind of nice in, in 2006, it came to Florence. It, the, the society uh, broke 3000 people for the first time. And that was, that was hugely successful. Um, uh, you know, um, other, other. Well, 2016, we became a society officially. That's and, right. And in doing that, we we um, were able to now spawn other uh, initiatives that, that that are part of the society, and including, uh, as you've had on a podcast already before, uh, Aperture. Um, and um, so we are now doing things and having education programs and 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 outreach activities will now also be able to. Um, happen in a way that didn't happen before. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, most people don't, and including myself, I didn't really fully appreciate the difference between an organization and a society. I remember, believe it or not, I remember um, uh, for Koviak, you know, back in the town hall meeting, we used to have our big debates in the town yes. hall meeting, uh, yes. organizing for nothing. I mean, I, or maybe you just wanted a group of people. I don't know. Ex- I forgot the. No, gist. I think there were. I think there were a couple of issues um, bes- behind his thinking. I didn't agree with um, his suggestion at the time, but I, I think I think I know what he was thinking about. He was concerned at the time that there would be um, competition with other societies. Right. There was at the time there was a society for cerebral blood flow and metabolism. There was a society for neuroscience. You, there was FENS, of course. And so he was he was concerned about that. The second thing he was concerned about was, and this was a, a tricky one, politically tricky, tricky one, because we had um, uh, human brain mapping, the journal had, had um, started up, and Neuroimage, the journal, had started up, both yeah. providing a wonderful um, venue, publishing venue, 
which for a new discipline like fMRI at the time, there was no no place for people to publish. Right. So these were these were monumental things. And so, of course, Peter Fox started human brain mapping and we're very indebted to him. And we're also indebted to people like Richard Frokoviak, yep. John Maziotta and Art Toga, who took an existing uh, uh, journal at the time, Neuroimage, and converted it to a brain mapping journal. And so... I think that part of the um, concern that um, Richard uh, had at the time was if, if, if we make it a society, then societies often have a journal that is a, one journal that's associated with it, and that would have put tensions on a young discipline. Yeah, that was pretty wise. I, I, I kind of agree with uh, you know, right. sort of letting things happen naturally. And, uh... But that said... That was a pretty cantankerous town, uh, set of town hall meetings. And Alan Evans, I remember, he put a tank helmet on yeah. at the podium. Yes. I remember, I remember that. that meeting. But that's that's why. And so now it seems sort of trivial, but but um, now we have gone our uh, – we've taken a bold step as a society and now we're launching an online um, journal ourselves. Yeah. Not to say that we don't. Uh, appreciate and support human brain mapping and neuroimage. And I mean, Peter and I um, have been yeah. on the editorial um, <laughs> staff. And it, Peter was editor-in-chief and I was a senior editor at neuroimage and, and, I, and I support those and I support human brain mapping too. Uh, they, they, are, they are wonderful vehicles for publishing uh, our, our work. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, there's other... There's sort of this growth of uh, and the maturity right. of other of other journals, right. uh, both open brain access. structure and function, which right. Carl the late Carl Zillis started, brain topography, uh, which is very ably edited by uh, Christoph Michel as an editor in chief, and so we have now um, a set of journals that we didn't have before, and that's really really exciting. So early career researchers can uh, you know at least. Uh, you know, publish their their um, their work there, and and of course we now have preprints and we have open science in a way that when all of this started, that didn't exist. Yeah. People were talking about open science and doing things, and for me that's incredibly satisfying. Thinking about you know where we've gone in twenty five years, and that actually, I mean, that's what I just wanted maybe, I mean, as we get close to the end, I, I, that's exactly. There's certain things that a society is good for that helps to catalyze the field. I mean, the whole goal is to, you know, you know, the problem with science is that you write your paper and people read it and they try to reproduce it and it doesn't really get disseminated or used as quickly as maybe it could. But, you know, with OHBM, it's like they, they try to set standards uh, for sharing. They try to have open access for sharing. And it's all about sort of, you know, garnering the world to sort of work together in a way that that's effective. Well, and that, and that those Cobitus committees, uh, the first one was so, so well um, uh, chaired by Tom Nichols led the way for uh, MRI related data. And then Cyril Pernay and I co-chaired the MEEG one. We've now produced documents um, yeah. which need, you know, updating it periodically, but that was grassroots led, you know, uh, initiatives that's that's the power of of what we we can all do together yeah. uh, and so that's uh, for me is an amazing thing yeah and the other thing that we uh, one thing that i need to say is that um as 
as I give up um, my um, uh, council chair uh, position in at the end of um, the upcoming meeting, Randy Golub comes in, and she uh, is also a champion for open science and uh, has a lot of innovative ideas and uh, has worked a lot with uh, the city. Uh, and she is uh, tasked with our new strategic plan for five years. We would have done it last year, but because COVID um, happened, uh, we put it off. But we will be uh, in November, December meeting to uh, make a new strategic plan for activities um, for the next five years. Okay, well, that's, that's exciting as well. And and actually, as I, one of the things I noticed that has changed about OHBM as well is that uh, now, as I get older, I, I mean, I feel like it's been getting younger and the students actually have more of a voice. Uh, I feel um, students and postdocs and, and, and young professors as well. I think in the early days, I think it was a lot of these already established scientists who've gone on from other fields. And so it's sort of like was this you felt like, you know, if you're a student, you're just sort of second voice. But here, um, I, I think uh, uh, the students definitely are, are kind of dictating a lot of the content and the rhythm. Well, the other, the other thing too, which is nice for me, just when you mentioned about when OHBM was first set up, I mean, it is very hard to set up a society or an organization like that. And so the senior scientists who were leaders and visionaries of the day did that. But what they did was they also involved us who were young ones. And so that was you and me and there was Randy Buckner and Anders Dale and Kia Nobre, right? We were the young ones on that committee. And it's funny now because when we look back now, we are the oldies. Yeah. And, and you know what? I have to say I'm having the time of my life because I enjoy working with younger scientists. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just great. And that's what we try and keep going. Council has always been a mixture of, of the young and the old. And to really fully do things well, it has to stay that way. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, Daniel, what's your perspective? I mean, obviously, uh, you're, you're sort of in between. You're not young. You're not old. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. That's <laughs> Oh, you're still yeah. not. Of course you're No, not. but I'm like, yeah, to put it in perspective, it'll be several months before I get the COVID vaccine. So for whatever that's worth. Um, um, you know, it's been super exciting. You turn around one day and you're sitting at that table that you really hoping to one day be able to participate in. And uh, I've had the pleasure of being able to do that with uh, my dearest friends in the community, right? Pierre Bellek and Cameron Craddock, who also were on council, are on council, were on council. And to be able to, to grow up in our careers with the organization, be able to contribute at the level that we're able to now, it's been super exciting um, and a real thrill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I have to say, uh, it's really injected, uh, you know, I think that, yeah, it's funny, the, 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 the energy and the scale with kind of what your group is doing, you know, you're, you're old enough that you, you can start taking broad, you know, you have broad projects, you're, they're all really, I'm always impressed with your, your work, but, but in general, the, like, you know, along the lines of what Cameron Craddock does and other people like, oh, let's start, you know, uh, these hackathons or let's, mm -hmm. 
you know, starting that, and this is where I feel old, because when hackathons first started, I'm like, well, what, what's, what do you, what's the goal? What? <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of getting it now. I, it, that good things come from coming together and 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 right. the problems in the fly. Yeah. Um, and and so so that's great. And those are things that are totally, uh, you know, your uh, uh, generation, if you can call it a generation. It's sort of like, you know, five year generation periods. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. Well, uh, uh, and, and, you know, certainly um, as we near the end of our, our, our time here, um, you know, I think about all the things you could talk about with the history of OHBM that are really, you know, sort of fun stories and, and some educational stories and some uh, just, you know, uh, maybe um, uh, interesting stories uh, as every society and uh grows and has growing pains and grapples with things. But I think we're in a healthy state, uh, a really healthy state, um, uh, not only organizationally uh, and not only, you know, in terms of the science, but also uh, in terms of our momentum. I think that brain mapping, I always feel that that brain mapping is is kind of still just getting started. I feel, I kind of still feel like at the stage where we're just beginning to get a sense of the question. Um, you know, it's it's like you're mapping, you're, 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 but then you're trying to make a sense of what uh, what's actually are the principles of organization. As, as Daniel uh, is one of the people who do that best. Um, uh, so yeah, we're just beginning and, and brain mapping is becoming more relevant everywhere. And I'm just hoping that it becomes more clinically uh, applicable, which, you know, uh, it's another, all these domains to enter into, which OHBM can help, so. And and it's really nice because our abstracts are, you know, 40% of our abstracts are clinical. And yeah. that's really encouraging for the future. Yes. So once again, the, so when is the meeting being held? Just so that everyone knows. Um, hopefully this podcast will be, uh, I'm sure it'll be out within, within a month or so, but, uh, um, uh, the meeting, the meeting is definitely in June, in June. It's definitely yeah. in June, 21st to 25th. Okay. Okay. So Does that sound about right. Yeah. I think that sounds right. Good. Good. Yeah. So, so great. Um, uh, then, uh, I think that with, with that, I just like to, you know, thank, uh, Ina, I feel like we just started our conversation, but but just for the sake of time, and uh, and of course it's it's midnight now in Paris where we're talking mm -hmm. to, to Daniel, um, and and thank you both for for coming on, and uh, uh, I'm excited about OHBM. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, thanks.